along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International, or as Steve likes to refer it to as... Monthly's Monthly. There you go. You actually let him say that. You know, I get in a benevolent mood every so often. It's a good name. Marla comes on the show once every month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. The rest just and and yeah. Yeah. History. Yep. 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 Whatever you say. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, this is uh our annual sh- not annual monthly show with Marla Brooks, Steve Parson, and of course myself. And right after the show, by the way, tune in for a special edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, Paranormal Pillow Talk Pillow Talk as we delve into the paranormal, giggling and doing the Ouija board and eating popcorn. Oh, did you, uh, I presume you found a co-host then? I found lots of co-hosts. All the girls will be there. Didn't ask me. I put it out there. Nobody replied. Too bad. So sad. You only spoke to me an hour before you put it out there. You didn't ask me. Tough luck. No, I put it out there. There you go. Anyways, it is his, what it is. So he's Go in a battered mood today. He's got to get out of the house. He can only go five yeah, miles, true. but he should travel that's as far true. as he can. That's so, true. So, I, Steve, uh, you can travel no. five miles. So do you, like, go out, and, and once you've reached your five-mile border, then you turn around and slowly come back? Um, well, the five miles is not a rigid five miles because um, Wales has um, a smallish population and a lot of land mass. So you have a lot of rural areas where the nearest, I mean, for example, our nearest store is 5.9 miles away. Aha. Uh-huh. So, um, uh-huh. so mm-hmm. there is a, a degree of flexibility. The, the actual rule is that you have to stay local, the guidance being approximately five miles, or really, so, no, not really any further than your nearest store. So it's not like the prisoner then, where if you go beyond there, the big bubble comes and gets you. Oh, yeah, just like that. We're these, <laughs> um, we're these big... But the thing is, nobody's ever tested this, because um, we don't know whether this... Um, a legal basis for, for enforcing any of this, whether the uh, Welsh government actually has the legislative powers to effectively place us under uh, close arrest. Besides, the coppers are too busy uh, calling no, no, the demonstrations. No no. <laughs> no, no, no. Believe me, the police are more than happy to... Um, yeah, they, uh, they regularly stop you and... Um, where are you going? Why are you going there? Where do you live? So Maureen, what Mar, uh, Maureen? What the hell is this, Maureen? Maureen? So, Maureen. Sorry, I've been called 
by other names. And, and Maureen. Maureen, is, Maureen is a nice eye. Maureen. Like Maureen. How about Maureen? Maureen, she's so cheap. Maureen. <laughs> Do you remember that, Steve? No, we see we've got to be gender inclusive now, so maybe we should go with Maurice. No, did you do you remember that, Maureen? You're so cheap. No. Uh, one of the Brits came over here. I'm trying to think. It was Karen. It might have been Karen, it's, or somebody. Anyways, yeah, it said it was a uh, it was a uh, phone commercial oh. in the UK. So it'd probably be back about twelve years ago. Well, I'll tell you, the, the, the one who remembers sort of banal um, bits of trivia like that, do you remember how Cal always used to repeat? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. most likely Cal. Yeah, most likely Cal, anyway. Probably right. happened around the time of, if you say it was about 12 years ago, it was probably around the time he was going through puberty. Yeah, probably for him, anyway. <laughs> I, I think he still is, by the way. That's besides the point. He's a, do- he's a doctor no, now. He's a, he's a so daddy he's like, now. So wait a minute. So he's like he's like uh, Dookie, right? Because he's a doctor and he's only a child. No, he's a daddy now. Yeah, I know. But Marla, what is, what's that show? Isn't it Dookie? Dookie Hauser. Dookie Howard. Yeah, Hauser. Hauser. Yeah. 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 So that's who he is. He's a child psychologist, parapsychologist, doctor. You called him the rock star parapsychologist. He is. He is. That was driven into my brain. Uh, they use psychological effects on me, and it's stuck there. Mind-altering drugs. Mm-hmm. They did. And anyway. They automatically wrote it into your brain. Oh, that's right. We should get on topic, shouldn't we? Well, not necessarily. I just that just popped into there my is, head. There is no rules that say we should. In fact, people are probably sick of the paranormal. No, they're not. They're well, not on they this have... show. Not on this show, since we never talk about the damn thing. <laughs> they've, had, they've, they've had, you know, like they've had a belly full of the paranormal for twelve weeks. I don't think so. I mean, anyways, I hate to tell you, the podcast <laughs> is going extremely well with all the paranormal topics, so I am right oh, on okay. with that. I am happy with that. People okay, are happy, I'm happy. Ghost, come on, ghost lives matter. So, yeah, <laughs> ghost lives. Talk well, about ghost, an oxymoron, right? Ghost lives don't have, ghosts don't have lives, do they? Oh, just get on with it. Wait a minute, that's a, you know, that's a good point. Do ghosts have lives? Do they... You know, because cats do. Yeah, I know cats do. I'm talking about ghosts, though, because ghosts have afterlives. No, but but seriously, I mean, we talk about, you know, ghosts. There aren't that many ghosts. I mean, you think of millions and millions of people that died, and and we only have, you know, we don't have that many ancient ghosts showing up. I mean, yes, is the occasional one. Doesn't yeah? I know you're going to just bitch and moan about that because you always do. Yeah, but but I, no, it's the occasional one. We don't we don't have uh, the constant. If you take the same number of of people around, you know, we'd have much more. But uh, we don't. So I wonder if they just fade away. Like I asked that to David Wells one time on the air. What did he and, know? And that's it. He didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he 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 got quiet for a minute and said I. Honestly, don't know because I was asking because I think he went to Egypt or something, and I said so. No, you know, it's Derek Akor. Huh? That was Derek Akor. No, 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 no. Uh, David Wells went there too for some reason, and so Following I just his, his idol's footsteps. I had no, no clue. He went on holiday. Maybe, but I just said, you know, well, while you were there, you know, did you come across any ancient? You know, I said, do 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 spirits have a shelf life? 
because you got to think about it. I mean, if people believe in reincarnation, then, you know, you're a spirit one minute, and the next minute you're back on Earth. You're a cow in India. Poof, yes. <laughs> so, you know. I, I, so now I know why I don't want to go now. Because you don't want to be an Indian cow? No, I don't want to be an Indian cow. No, thanks. Well, they're treated very well. If you do the math, sorry, maths, because I'm English. If you do the mathematics, um, there are more people alive today on planet Earth than have ever lived in all of the preceding generations combined. And is there a point there? That makes sense. Well, it, it does rather mess up the idea of ghosts and reincarnation mm. no because then they, they talk about new souls which is they that's their actual well, we, you know if they can't explain it by their theory they come invent something new well, we must, to shove well, it in, in, there. in that case it, yeah but well, i mean you're absolutely right i mean it's been speculated about for a long time that ghosts up in fact historically they do appear to have a shelf life um mm-hmm. but the shelf life isn't a universal sort of sliding scale of you get to 300 years and you you gradually fail. But with hauntings, um, it's absolutely the case that um, they appear to fade in, in right. uh, intensity and in clarity, and then they become you know, sort of less and less, more and more vague. Uh, parts of the haunting fall away and are not re- no longer reported until eventually the thing just ceases altogether. That's yeah. not the case with poltergeist and uh, yeah, so it's not it's not a black and white set of rules. Yeah, I uh, mean, we, but you know, we, we think about you, you see ghosts that are uh, you know real as as you and I. They appear they appear as as regular people basically, uh, and then you see ones that are just mere wisps. You know, they're they're Residuals. very. Yeah, see-throughs. Well, I don't know if they call them residuals. Well, but I mean, like anniversary can... ghosts. They no, don't I'm not, use... no, I'm not going into that model. I'm talking about okay. interactive ghosts, intelligent hauntings, okay. where okay. where they they see. What? What? Well, I was going to say we actually don't have any really substantive evidence that these things exist anyway, and yeah. that's one of the biggest problems. We can. As a human experience... Yeah, yeah, Zach will tell you they exist. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> as a human experience, there is no oh. doubt that people experience hauntings, apparitions, and other phenomena. But we mm-hmm. don't have any uh, objective clarification of that or verification of that from, from anything. We have photographs and we have audio recordings, but none of those demonstrate causation all of them only show the effect, the phenomena, or parts of the phenomena. For example, yes, there are hundreds of, of video clips that show an object moving, but no, very, very few, if not you know, fingers of one hand, that show the object um, commencing movement, continuing movement, and ceasing movement. So the, the very start of the motion to the very end of the motion. We don't have, if a figure is, is captured on video if, or, or, or on a photograph, it's just that. Yeah. You know, right. it's, like me, it's like me putting up a picture of you, Ron, and it tells us nothing about your parents or how you were conceived or what you did for a living or, well, or anything. Everybody knows that, I, I don't exist anyway, so I'm a legend. Well, it is just an image. Right. You know, we, anyway. we we don't have you know, so we can't talk in definites like ghosts exist and they are this or 
No, it's, I, I totally agree, agree with you, Steve, because even, you know, what mediums get, you, mediums can't prove they're really talking to dead people. Mm-hmm. They only believe they're talking to dead people. They, they have no proof that they are. Uh, then they get some information, but we don't know for certain where that information comes from. And no matter how obscure it may be, there, there are a lot of uh, uh, explanations where it could come from. So there is, there is no proof that ghosts are dead people. So it's very simple. Oh, but, anyways, very frustrating. but we could go, we could all three of us sit here and do automatic writing and uh, see what the ghosts say. Yes, we can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but on, on that note, uh, today's topic is automatic writing. And um, it, it's an intriguing thing. That, that encompasses a lot, of, lots of, it's called automatic writing, but it encompasses quite a bit of. Uh, Media, uh, not only uh, writing, but also uh, typing and uh, uh, drawings, paintings, all that stuff, as, as long as it's done by Pen- spirit. Pendulums as well, because some people use the pendulum and they have that Ouija board uh, thing, you know, that the pendulum points to. It, like uh, board. I think that's stretching it, but that's... Well, it's, it's, it's a form of divination in somebody's mind. Let's put it that way. I don't believe, Steve. What, what's your thought? Is pendulum on a on a pendulum board automatic writing? I I would uh, no. I, I would I would I would say it isn't. Um, it, in fact, if you look at all the, all of the descriptions of automatic writing, they're all fairly narrow in their constraints. In that, a person has to be holding a writing implement right. and in some form of uh, entrancement. They're going to say, well, of course, the pendulum is the instrument, and, the, and they're in trance when they do it. Well, I mean, there are, pe- there are people who I use, think it's a stretch. Uh, that's my point. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't. I, in fact, you know, psychical research wouldn't include pendulum dowsing. Um, automatic writing really only encompasses the use of a planchette, a pen planchette or a pencil planchette, and or the direct holding of a writing implement. By somebody right. or a group of people who are entranced. Right. So, a Ouija board is considered automatic writing then? No, no, no. 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 A writing well, planchette. A well, planchette they, some is, of them have. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the, the, the Ouija board uh, planchette is actually derived from an earlier one called the small planchette meets small right. table. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. The, the point of the planchette was where you inserted a writing implements and mm-hmm. the thing yeah. had. And little wheels on the bottom of it. I know it was so cool back then. Anyway, so I, and oh, you, can, you can still buy them. I know you can. It yes, and I've made them before too as well. So, in fact, one spirit course we did, I I made uh, everybody took part in automatic writing using the planchette, and I made tons of these planchettes up and uh, gave them out to everybody. Yeah, at I remember. I didn't. I didn't get one. Of course not. You get no. nothing. I know. You're a scrounge. You're a tosser. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Actually, in, in in English, that's a really bad word. Yes. Really? A tosser? No, no mm-hmm. this side of the Atlantic, that is a really bad thing to say. Tosser? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? So what does yeah. a tosser mean in, in, in English? Uh, well, to toss, to toss oneself is an abbreviated form of to masturbate. Ah, 
because we I hear you know in mid suburbs murders and and other the British <laughs> things they all they always used to they always no not on a program like that <laughs> yes they do yes they do really yes really? mm-hmm I, I will have to find on. one now I, you heard it too yeah, uh, yeah. okay many so, times yeah Tasa. <laughs> I wouldn't say it to anybody ever unless you really didn't like them. Okay. And then the other one, what's the other one, Marla? Punta? Is it Punta? No, no, no. Wait a minute. No, that's yeah, not Punta. it. Punta's another one. No, I haven't heard Punta's that one. Easy. Punta just means um, a client. It comes from to take a punt on a... So it, it's actually race course. It started off on the, on the betting. You would take a punt, have a bet. Uh, so it really just means a customer, a punter. Right. Uh, people exactly. attend... You know, I mean, you've heard me say at the end of the night, you know, um, you know, when all the people who've attended the ghost investigation go home. Well, I think the punter has got their money's worth. Exactly. Yeah. So in, in that context, that's what punter means. Tosser. Yeah, that's, that's common. Tosser is they've used too, like for someone who is is not uh, up and up. Uh, not nice. No, not a nice person. Dossa. D o s s e r. Someone who's down and out and yeah, your daughter. No, no, this, well, yeah. whatever. Okay, I think I heard it on um, a lot on um, Doc Martin. Ah. I think somebody kept the those yeah. in, in the thing, there's these young girls that walk by him all the time, and, and they walked by and called him that several times. Yeah, that's true. They think he's a, kind know. of. It's kind of like a, a more polite way. Yeah, on Doc Martin, I have heard it. Um, it's kind of like a polite way of saying to somebody wanker. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other word I was thinking. Yeah, it's the other word they yeah. use. Yeah, wanker. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. But they wouldn't or, use that. Or if you go into Scotland, prick. <laughs> no, 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 prick is again something entirely different. No, no, no. Say, in Scotland, it is. It's used. It, it's used all the time on the on. Uh, Oh, yeah. Show it. But it, yeah. Yeah, it, it's used all the time, but it actually has the same meaning throughout the UK. Yeah. It means your gentleman sausage. <laughs> That's a, I've never heard it called that before. That's cute. So, okay. Which has nothing to do with automatic writing, but once again, we diverse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Marla, get us on track. Yeah, you come up with something for us. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have stuff. Um, all right, actually, give us something just to get us back online here because we're going all right. anywhere I, I, and everywhere. I mean, I've got all kinds of interesting stories, and I bet Steve has probably the same ones that I do. But I don't um, care. I mean, there's, there's, just, there's just some really different, interesting, funny things. Um, but all right, I've got a question. Funny, haha, funny, peculiar. Both. Um, but I've got a question for you, Steve, because since you're. Um, uh, so well versed on Harry Price, one of the things that I saw was that he exposed the supposed automatic writing in the Borley Rectory as the wall scrolling of a housewife attempting to hide an extramarital affair. Ariane. Do you know that, that one? Is that true? Uh, well, right. Or is that urban legend? No, 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 no. Uh, in fact, Price ended up. Uh, what what essentially happened was uh, after the uh, the Foisters, Marianne and her husband, uh, the Reverend Lionel Foister, arrived at Borley to take residency, the writing began to this mysterious pencil script scribbly writing started to appear on the walls. 
um, and Marianne, the Mrs. Foister, uh, who was a bit of a flighty character um, and was having an affair uh, with a gentleman that, that spent a great deal of time at the rectory in a sort of weird menage a trois, apparently. Uh, so she would write underneath this, what do you, you know, what does this mean? What do you want? And this gave rise, of course, to the famous light mass prayers, uh, message that appeared on the walls. And Marianne's name appearing several times. Now, Price, um, when he, when he, he visited uh, the Foisters, made the suggestion and the, uh, that uh, Marianne may have wittingly or unwittingly been responsible for this writing. So, in, in, in effect, saying that she could have been sleepwalking and writing all over the bloody walls. Um, that actually didn't go down well with the Reverend Foister. I don't who, think so. <laughs> no, who didn't like who didn't like his wife being accused of such misdemeanours and essentially bad blood ensued and Price stayed away from the rectory for well over a year, uh, longer in fact, for almost the entirety of the Foister residency. Um, but although he kept he was kept in close contact with the goings on of the rectory by. Uh, mutual friends and correspondence uh, with real pens and ink. Okay. So, and is there a difference between spirit writing and automatic writing? For instance, if, if writing appears from spirit and not channeled through a human, is that still automatic writing or is it just spirit writing or something different? Well, again, the definition is quite, is quite, um, narrow with, with what regards automatic writing. It, so it's it, human. That, it has to be a human or acting or, you know, auto, automata. Okay. Um, so they are holding a pen or a plunger, some other writing implements. Spirit writing, which is very rare. Um, it's not unknown. I mean, Borley isn't the only case in which it's happened, but it is incredibly rare. Uh, we had a lighthouse been, invest, that we investigated that had it in it. It was uh, intriguing. I mean, there are there are probably only you know a, half a handful of cases known where it's been um, well documented. Well documented, yeah. In fact, in fact, I did a case only last year uh, of wall writing. So let's get back to automatic writing again as, as we once once again move away from our subject, which Marla was supposed to bring it in, but then she just dumped that back on Steve and we well, were off on a tangent again. Who else do I ask about Harry Price but Steve? Seriously. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have something real for us or is this another question? I have something funny. Oh, give uh, it to us. I thought, I thought right. Marla's thing was perfectly reasonable. Fine. All right. Well, here, here is a, a reasonably funny thing. So once upon a time, no, not that long ago, um, there was an apocalyptic cult led by a lapsed Scientologist by the name of Keech. And he and his followers were waiting for an alien ship to come take them to the non-existent planet called Clarion and so save them from the worldwide flood that was to commence on midnight, December 20th, 1954. Well, when that didn't occur, Keach allegedly got an automatic writing message from God calling the whole thing off. Bummer. Yeah. It's God's fault. So it must have gone through... Uh, God... Well, that would have been spirit writing if God wrote him a message, huh? 
I guess so. So it has nothing to do once again with topic. That's all right. We'll we'll go along with that. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> well, hang on. God did write. Didn't God write um, Ten Commandments? No. Oh. Yes, yeah. he did. And was it was it Nebuchadnezzar, um, the hand that wrote upon the wall, the moving hand that wrote, and then the Babylon, ancient Babylon. True. Curse of Nebu- Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar. I was talking about that the other day. Really? Sure. Now, I have never talked. Never mind. Ron Ron remembers him. I was. (laughs) He was there firsthand. I had tea with him many times. They were at school together. Yeah, they they were in detention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, okay. All right. So when in some of the things I was looking at. Do you you know what was in the uh, Ark of the Covenant? No. Funnily enough, no. Well, you mentioned the Ten Commandments, and supposedly the, the Ten Commandments were in the Ark of the Covenant, which Indiana yeah, well, I Jones... Read the, I, read, I read the book a year or so ago saying that it was a huge radio transmitter. Yeah, that's and another game, thing. Too. And that's the gold I, I asked, were... doesn't matter. I asked what was in it. I didn't ask what it was Because used. nobody knows. Well, well this is... This, were you... <laughs> Anyways, the, uh, the according to the Catholic, according to according to the Catholic Church, the what's in the oh, Bible, what's, what is in the Ark of the Covenant, is not only the uh, uh, Ten Commandments, but also Moses' staff and uh, manna, which fell from heaven, the the bread that fed the people in the desert. That was uh, uh, also. It was just his lunchbox. Yeah, basically a lunchbox. Hey, a pocket, a pocket thing, book. I can't believe it. We just went through the first half hour of the show not talking about automatic ready. I'm just, just, just saying, there's a problem there. The Catholic Church didn't exist for another thousand years. Yeah, but they... So how they, did they know... Their head dude founded it, remember? Uh, well, how did they know who was, who was uh, what was in the Ark of the Covenant if they, they weren't there? And the head dude told them. Just... We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll probably talk about autobag running. But then again, we may not the way it's going. But we, <laughs> I got good stuff. To. Yes, I got good stuff. Really, you keep saying that, but you. Well, I do. Yeah. Come up with God writing a note and, and asking. I Steve thought a that question. was amusing. <clears throat> yes. Well, what, you've done the, better than Ron's Steve asking Steve a question well. was amusing. I'm just saying, Harry Price is is yeah. Steve. That's well, it. Yeah. yeah. So Steve is probably. He must be reincarnated, uh, Harry Price. Contribution so far to the to the discussion. What's he talking Nothing. about? I can't hear anything he's saying. Anyways, today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts. And, of course, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group on 15 High Street in North Andover, Massachusetts. So if you've been stuck with that guy. It takes a year to get that right. When you were stuck with that guy over these past 18 weeks and he's driving you up the wall and it's time to get rid of him, go see him. They'll help you out. They're strong, compassionate. That you pulling down. All women, so they'll get rid of that old man for you. Anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International, Marla Brooks, Steve Parson, and Ron Kulik, right here on Tojina and the Pararex Radio Network. And we'll be right back after the following massages.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. of the fair that is Ghost Chronicles the International Edition the only show that brings you Marley's Monthlies on a regular basis because our hosts tonight are New England Dome Van Helsing Marla Brooks the West Coast Witch and of course holding the show together and knocking heads together the girls ended in ghost hunting and tonight's show topic is automatic writing maybe Yep. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, all right. I will start. Do you guys hear the boat? Has he gone? Well, I don't know. I think oh, he's just, yeah. I think he's just quiet. Okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Well, I've got stories about John D. or Charles Dickens or um, W.B. Yeats or uh, Arthur oh, Conan Doyle. Says, pick one. I just gave you four. Pick one. Tell me. You pick one. Eeny, meeny, miny, or moe. Arthur Conan Doyle. All right. I love Arthur Conan Doyle. So in his book, The New Revelation, he wrote that automatic writing occurs either by the writer's subconscious or by external spirits operating through the writer. Doyle and his wife led an automatic writing seance with Harry Houdini, where Lady Doyle wrote 15 pages of purported messages from Houdini's mother, although the information was immediately discounted by Houdini as fraudulent. Oh, yeah, that didn't fly good, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, Arthur Conan Doyle was very paranormally... Uh, yeah, but he wasn't really happy with Houdini after that. Well, I wouldn't either. You know, here you're doing this big thing and 15 pages worth of bull stuff um <laughs> yeah, i wouldn't that wouldn't be good no he wasn't he, happy he, he, he was uh he was a great author but he was um he, he, he wasn't beyond being duped was he um no and by, by the spiritualists houdini was hope. a great duper i'm duper 
Well, he unduped. Yes, he did. He was an undoer. Yeah, he was good. I mean, Doyle Doyle was probably one of the leading, in fact, spiritualists. Wouldn't in the certainly this side of the Atlantic, it may not even be as popular, but for Doyle, um, who continued his good works even after he died, uh, returning as returning uh, as White Cloud. He continued to produce several other volumes on uh, spirit, supporting the spiritualist movement. But he, he was taken to task many times. He fell out with Houdini, Harry Price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a, a, quite a back and forth between, uh, between him and a, a gentleman called Joseph McCabe, uh, which, which resulted in a series of, uh, sort of uh, well, in fact, they debated publicly on stage. Right. Um, but he was he was true to he was uh, true to his heart. He wasn't he wasn't a duper or anything. He he believed in what he. Oh believed. no, he absolutely. There's no doubt he believed in it. He, he also wasn't quite as gullible as people think. You know, people quote Cottingley fairies as, as an example mm. of gullibility. But but Doyle but Doyle was you know naturally skeptical about that, and he sent along. Um, uh, an investigator who, who, from the Theosophical Society who came back and said, "No, this this is all legitimate." But Doyle had, you know, said, "Right, give them a camera, want, you know, supply them with cameras, and tell them to do it again and again and again." But he was also, you know, he he wasn't quite as dumb as people make out. One of his greatest contributions, actually, is uh, his two-volume uh, edition, the History of Spiritualism. Um, which is is probably one of the definitive works on the subject to give you the hist- historical perspective on it. Uh, New Revelation is is more of a another of his philosophizing works. Was um, now is automatic writing? Is that really pop- popular during the spiritualist movement? Was that one of the foremost uh, methods of communication? It was so foremost that it is the basis of probably one of the most interesting, unusual, and um, difficult to explain uh, experiments that have ever been undertaken in this field. And it was undertaken by the Society for Psychical Research. It was called, and we've we've mentioned it before, uh, the cross-correspondences. And these actually described phenomena that, that started in the early 20th century and it was specifically in the study of automatic writing. Um, and investigators from the SPR noticed statements in a script that was being produced by one, by one particular person sometimes seemed to be connected with similar statements in other scripts being produced by one or more persons somewhere else without any communication having occurred between these people or even in some cases, knowledge of these people. And they concluded that these correspondences were actually being deliberately created by certain uh, recently deceased SPR colleagues to convince them of them having survived death. By 1936, over 3,000 of these damn things existed and would been, have been closely analysed a number of times by senior SPR figures and for decades are considered by many um, to have been well, to demonstrate convincing proof of survival of death. Now, that's waned a little bit um, these days, but it, was, it, it, it starts with the, the founders um, of, of the SPR, Frederick Myers, 
Uh, he died in, in 1901. Um, and it was, it was a friend of his, uh, Margaret Verrill, uh, who was another lecturer at Cambridge, uh, began to experiment with automatic writing. And her, her aim was really to try to offer Myers um, in the however unlikely events that he survived, the possibility with communicating. And eventually messages that were signed by Myers started to appear in her scripts. But most or some or all were written in Greek or Latin. Wind the clock forward a couple of years and Verrill's daughter appears to then follow in uh, Mother's footsteps and takes up automatic writing with similar messages, some of them signed by Myers. In, independently, and at the same time, Alice Fleming, who was the sister of Rudyard Kipling and was living in India, also began also began this or take up and, and explore automatic writing. And she then started to get these scripts signed Myers. But her scripts were urging her to get in touch with Verrill in Cambridge and actually giving Verrill's address. Um, then you have other, uh, probably one of the most significant automatic or automatists of this period was the sister-in-law of Myers. Um, and she was also related to um, a British prime minister. And her name was Winifred Coombe Tennant. And she, she actually lived, she, uh, the family home isn't very far away from here. And there's, a, there's actually a connection, which we've mentioned before, between Winifred Coombe Tennant um, and well, me, I suppose. Uh, not, not a relative one, it's an object thing. Um, and you also have can, can further automatic writings and contributions by Leonora Piper, uh, a medium whose, whose name you probably already heard, uh, because she was at the time also being investigated by SPR researchers. And she started producing automatic writing containing statements by Myers. Now, we could go on and do a, you know, an entire weeks worth of shows just trying to explain this stuff um, and in fact it, it really is you know, incredibly complicated I can give you just one example um, and this was, this was from 1906 where Alice Fleming at her home in India wrote the following words yellow, why yellow yellow ivory were what she wrote two days later on August the 8th in Cambridge, Margaret Verrill wrote the words, I have done it tonight. Why yellow is the written word? Say only yellow. Now, those are two days apart in a time when you, know, you couldn't phone or telegraph between India and, and Cambridge. And what, when they, they started to assemble these messages, um, and you have Leonora Piper in Boston, over your side of the water, and this you know, she she gets implicated with a, a series of messages called the Thanatos messages, uh, and it just goes on and on and on, and it is considered and has been you know it's been criticised, but the survivalists do believe um, that uh, it, it does provide strong evidence for the survival of death. If anybody wants to have a look at it in more detail, if they head on to um, the SPR uh, website, the Society for Psychical Research, spr.ac.uk, and look for the Thigh 
Encyclopedia, PSI Encyclopedia. Um, and then you can search for it inside there. You'll find the cross-correspondence. You'll find an overview of it with links to much more detailed um, accounts. Interesting. Absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Professor Sir Archie Roy, um, friend, former deceased friend of mine, uh, not former deceased, he's deceased then, was he? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he got rid of you after he died. But he, he survived and he's back. Well, I mean, he wrote an excellent book a few years, uh, the year or so before he died, called The Eager Dead, where he had a, 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 um, an attempt. I mean, this guy was, you know, he, he was one of the world, world's leading astrophysicists, uh, worked for NATO and all of the... Um, major organizations and he spent a lot of time trying to unravel it and uh, there have been many 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 other attempts nobody's really ever fully um, taken it to pieces simply because there's just so much of it Uh, but going back to Winifred Coombe Tennant uh, her family she was the home of uh, Balfour uh, British Prime Minister Gerald Gerald Balfour oh Jim Jim Balfour um, their family home was just up the road, and when when she, well, when you know, at some point she donated her t- her automatic writing table to a spiritualist church, which and you they, have in your room, which you've told and us. They had it, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. We're well aware of that, Mister Parsons. Just, just you know, it's a bit of like that hasn't You mentioned that history. last month. How many times yeah, do you well, want to mention that, it? Well, Zach doesn't have it in his museum, does he? Well, you know what? The right price he may. <laughs> moving on. Anyway, moving right along, if not sooner. Uh, you know, I was going to ask you, we now have, I mean, because of this pandemic, there were, you know, a, a great deal of people have died. And do you think we will see a surge in uh, contact with these people through uh media like automatic writing? Uh, we should expect a surge in spiritualist uh, new age type communications because we did after, although you did have World War I um, being right. the bulk of it, but there was a lot of cult communications that were linked to the 1918 to 1990 flu pandemic. Exactly. Now, these aren't ones with soldiers, um, these are specifically uh, mostly from North America, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, whether the whether the demographics are going to be slightly different because the 1918 to 1920 pandemic was predominantly taking out the young, sort of 15 to 30 year old, um, you know, the young and the strong and the right. the foolhardy. Um, so the loss may have been more may have been felt more acutely later as a psychological effect. It'd be interesting to see what happens in the next sort of twelve to twenty four months. Whether there is a a jump up in I, I, especially if you're famous, it seems like you, the automatically. I mean, Derek Akora is already coming through. Uh, I saw <laughs> say, I saw a seance uh, where he came through on. Uh, Facebook, of course. Mm. Uh, so so uh, it would only make sense. That's what happened. 
But I mean, and I, I mentioned this in the last show, so I don't want to go into too much. But you know, Patience Worth is probably the most famous here in the states, where you know she uh, she was just a housewife, and yet uh, this is in 1912. She, she ended up uh, writing uh, for the, over the next 25 years thousands of poems and several novels mm-hmm. um, that were supposedly uh, done by uh, this woman, Patience Worth. Um, the, the real word, her name was Pearl Cumberland, was the, the, uh, the person doing the writing. Uh, Patience Worth was supposedly the spirit that came through who lived in London, England. Uh, I, I have a couple of original scripts of her. Do you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there should be, there should be a, there's quite a few of them out there. There's, there's a lot. In fact, she, there she was... I mean, the woman was prolific. Right. And she, uh-huh. you know, I mean, she was so thing that, uh, you know, and uh, she was named one of the outstanding authors in 1918 by a New York literary magazine. So, uh, and yet she had very little education. And uh, so it's intriguing. Uh, you know, is there proof? Now, did Casey deal with uh, automatic writing or was his strictly from the dream state? Who? Edgar Casey. Casey. <laughs> Great. Oh, sorry, I was thinking of Casey Jones. Yeah, oh, Casey no. Jones. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk an, about good engineer. Yeah, 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 we'll talk about engineers. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, the two, no, the worst leads, Casey. That there are a lot of kind of boys, but so. Yeah. I mean, Mala, do you know it? Did, no, I don't. I I always kind of thought it was the dream. You don't know Casey Jones. I know Casey uh, wait, wait, Jones. Wait, wait, I know well, Casey uh, Jr. Not off subject. Not off subject. I don't know Casey that much Jr. about Casey. I mean, I, I read a couple of his books, but way long ago, and it kind of went, you know, away. Right. So but, I don't know. So, I mean, there are, you know, other people that, you know, Ruth Montgomery, which I mentioned last time mm-hmm. as well, who uh, did automatic writing through the typewriter. Uh, right. So, I mean, it, it can happen through different media. There are uh, ones who produced uh, uh, songs through writing. Uh, they wrote, they wrote the, what do you call it, writing a song? Is that, there's a word lyrics? for that? Lyrics? Lyrics? No, not the lyrics. The, oh. the tunes, what we, I guess, I don't know, whatever. Well, I, right on that note, um, I was reading that portions of Van Morrison's album, um, The Astral Weeks, supposedly are inspired by dreams, reveries, and automatic writing. Really? Yeah. Van Morrison? Yep. He's dead now, right? No. Oh, thought Mm-mm. he died. No, he's, he's still here. You sure? But yeah, I am. But it was interesting because, I mean, it was kind of like we're talking about old things. Like I've got stuff about John Dee that goes back to the 16th century but and a few other things. But then all of a sudden. Scores. See, that's the word. Huh? Scores. Oh, scores. Yes. Yeah, yes. Musical scores. Yeah. Right. All right. So, Sorry about you know, no, no. and then all of a sudden I see Van Morris. I went, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then and then there was this 19 or 2012 study. Of, and I don't know who made it, who who did it, didn't say, so, you know. But um, it was 10 psycho- psychographers, psychographers, I guess they call it, um, using single photon emission computed tomography showed that there was differences in brain activity and writing complexity during alleged trance states versus normal state is writing. Oh, so I really? guess they wired people up and just saw different brain waves. Um, 
hmm. when somebody was doing automatic writing and, and normal. This one, uh, of course, um, Steve mentioned earlier, Lenora Piper. Uh, you know, she she uh, did held on a lot of a lot of sessions, uh, and uh, she would channel celebrities, of course, and hmm. uh, composers and and uh, poets and so forth. But in the early years of the twelfth uh, 20th century, she began a series of automatic remaining sessions channeling. English physicist Dr. Richard Hodgson, who was her mentor. Who was her mentor, Steve, before her death? Hodgson hmm. uh, was, oh, I mentor might be too strong a word, but uh, he certainly studied her. Yeah. Um, and he was a member of, uh, he was on behalf of the American Society for Psychological Research. Intriguing. So, you know, my gran, my dad's mother, yes. after her husband died, um, she kind of got into to ghosts and paranormal and stuff. And mm-hmm. she, for like something like 20 years, did automatic writing with a particular spirit whose name escapes me. Good, but good. she had pages and pages and pages of stuff. My cousin actually has it, and I keep telling her to send me copies. I want to see this. But I know Gran told me at one point that during one of the sessions, um, this male figure that she was talking to came up and said, well, you know, it's very difficult for us to connect with you because we have to slow down our vibrations and you guys have to slow up. I mean, quicken your vibrations and stuff. That was the first time I ever heard that theory. And it came from my Gran, who was who got it from, you know, doing automatic writing. I thought that was kind of interesting. She got it from the beach boys. Good uh, vibrations. Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell right, you want to hear about Arthur Conan Doyle getting really annoyed? I mean, not I Arthur, I'm sorry, Charles Dickens. Dickens. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I got my Dickenses and Doyles mixed up. Um, so a prominent... You scared, the, you scared the Dickens out of me. <laughs> Uh, A prominent alleged example of automatic writing um, is the Brattleboro hoax. It's when Charles Dickens died in 1870, he left the mystery of Edwin Drood unfinished. And according to the itinerant printer T.P. James, this angered Dickens' spirit so much that he channeled the rest of the novel through James's hand. And this supposedly, um, to it, supposedly began on Christmas Eve, 1872, and continued thrice weekly until completion. Thrice was more than once? Like, yes. (laughs) How many times? Three. Okay. I'm not as stupid as I look. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea that Dickens Spirit, you know, that allegedly got so pissed off and he wanted to finish his own book. Um, It was Uh kind of funny. He did That's have it. Yeah, we, we venerate Dickens, but he's, he had some wild ideas. I mean, look, uh, look at the the name he chose for his daughter. Which one? Can't be any, can't be any worse know. than the American names we name our kids. Go ahead. Uh, oh, God, do you know it's just gone out of my head? Uh, ah, oh, glad you brought it up, Steve. Uh, <laughs> oh, hell. Yeah, living on terrible, tender yeah. hooks now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's, it'll it's it'll come box. to you. It's something box. 
box? Yeah. Oh, that's good, Steve. Thank you for that. <laughs> We're all nice. going to be wondering for the rest of the night. Oh, I'm going to look at know, You guys just talk amongst yourselves, all right? Yeah, otherwise I'm not going to sleep now. Yeah. No, we're running out of time anyway, so it doesn't really matter too much. So anyway, you ever hear about Ger- Geraldine Cummings, Steve? Of course. She was. Uh, I never met her. Yeah. She used to. Uh, she wrote what? what was this? She. Uh, Lucifer Box. Sorry. Thank you. Lucifer for, her hot, for her hot temper. Yeah, Lucifer Box. Don't you well, that was her, that, they're saying that's her nickname. Because um, he had three daughters, Kate, Dora, and Mary, and I don't know which one had the best. No, the, the, my, my favorite was the son, Francis, Chicken Stalker. <laughs> that's nothing wrong with that. That's good. Those are good names. I like those. Hey, mm-hmm. Chicken Stalker, go and fetch Lucifer Box. I love Blue Server Box. That sounds great. I like Fred W.H. Myers. Uh huh. So he was, what? He was a, uh, a psychical researcher, right? Uh, he was a classicist and one of the founding fathers of the Society for Psychical Research. He was at Cambridge University. Um, he was president of the SPL. So what did he have with Geraldine Cummins? Uh, well, Myers was most famous, of course, for, for Florence Cook um, and the mediumship of Kate, the, uh, the spirit of Katie King. But one of the, the ones that he also investigated was, uh, was Cummins. Hello? Huh. Yeah, we're listening. Okay, yeah. There, I mean, it, it's... It, it seems... He's more often known. He's, he's 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 better known, of course, for um, for Katie King, Florence Cook. Okay, um, who was many years his junior and terribly flirtatious, and there's been lots of accusations that uh, in reality she wooed him into a false sense of security. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Cummings, I think, holds the records because she wrote. Uh, 2,000 words in one sitting at one time, so that's not bad. It's a long time to be in a trance, if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) Fried her brain. Um, Yes. But even, uh, you know, even there there were a few uh, religious converts, uh, clergymen that were converted to the spiritualist movement, including the Reverend William Stanton Moses, Moses, excuse me, Mm -hmm. and uh, he was uh, one of the 19th most uh, famous mediums. Uh, his his sittings were renowned for his amazing going-ons, everything from apportation, uh, which is, you know, objects appearing, to ta- uh, table tappings and uh, rappings and music played by ghosts. Uh, later in the career, he began to uh, channel in information from several different entities, which resulted in his publication called Spirit Teachings. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and we've run out of time. Reverend William Stanton Moses, bless his heart. Do you know him? Uh, I, I have that very book that you just mentioned. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. I thought maybe he. I thought maybe he officiated at your wedding or something. No, 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 no. Mm, okay. Um, 
Oh, no, it was WT Stead that went down on the Titanic. Anyway, there we go. Another so, famous spiritualist. Didn't predict his own death on the Titanic. That's a shame. Somebody did. Uh, somebody did. I'm sure somebody did. No, no, no. I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, what, we, what we lack is, I mean, there's been claims that actually uh, that WT Stead apparently did, but yeah. then... There's no evidence of that, you know. Exactly. Oh, well, he said he was going to. He said he was going to die, um, but the problem is, anybody that predicted their own death on the Titanic, if they wrote a note and then left it in the cabin, of course, it went down. Well, I don't know. We're maybe able to recover it now, except it's wasted away. But we've run out of time, believe it or not. So, anyways, we oh. want to thank you, thank you guys All for right. joining us. And uh, Mahler, if they want to see more of you, they can tune into Pararex on Thursday nights at 9 o'clock for Stirring the Cauldron, which has been going on how many years now? About 12. 12 years. God bless you. Anyways. All right. So got to wrap it up. Today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Mimrex Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street in North Andover, Massachusetts. Steve, thank you so much for joining us here this evening. It's a pleasure as always. Yep. And tune in next month when I'm sure we'll be doing something else. Maybe. (laughs) Hopefully. 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 Yeah. So, peace and light and all that crap. Yep. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good Lord.